0: Welcome back, everybody, to the latest edition of the Lightning Strikes podcast, brought to you by Tampa Bay Times, TampaBay.com, and available on iTunes. We have a lot to cover on this, uh, this week's podcast, including looking back at what the Lightning did at the trade deadline, acquiring Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, uh, who have already had early impacts on this team. Look at that really weird and odd 10 game stretch, 10 game unbeaten streak, where they've, uh, or 9 0 1 at least, where they went to overtime seven times. Um, talk about Andre Vasilevsky, the story we broke in the Tampa Bay Times last week about him feeling some mental and physical fatigue uh, at this point in the year, which is a very critical situation for uh, for the most important player on this Lightning team. Um, I thought a lot of like, your questions we got from Twitter on Friday, and we'll, we'll answer those as we go along in this podcast. But uh, uh, first things first, with the trade deadline, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan McDonough was acquired. They wanted to get a defenseman. Uh, I know Eric Carlson was... Uh, a guy that they had targeted as well. Everybody in the league wanted Eric Carlson, but uh, it didn't look like he was going to be moved unless there was a franchise player price, and uh, Lightning wasn't going to be able to pay that. Uh, I don't get a sense that the Lightning was close on Carlson. I think they had their discussions with Ottawa, and well other teams did, um, but I think that overall, that they, um, I don't think they felt towards the end that that was going to them, happen for them, so they woke up Monday morning, as the Eisman did, and, and still didn't have a move, to make yet uh, and that's what the Ryan McDonough uh, situation unfolded and kind of broke down or broke through uh, in the Monday, Monday of the deadline in the early afternoon where McDonough had a lot of suitors too and uh, Toronto is one of them and, and the Capitals were one of them and the Florida Panthers who are red hot are one of them so um, I think it was a, a better fit or a best case or one of the better case scenario for the Lightning to get a, a top four caliber shutdown defenseman um, in McDonough with some playoff experience and um, a guy who could play left and right side, play penalty kill, which needed some help uh, down the stretch. So um, overall, I thought it was a big win for the Lightning um, in their trade deadline day. Uh, don't, forget, don't sleep on, on J.T. Miller, too, the forward they traded. Um, uh, they got uh, they got forward in that deal. They traded Nemestikov. And it was tough to lose Nemestikov, the former first-round pick, and he had a career season at 20 goals. But uh, I think it was the, right, the the time for Lightning wanted to sell high on him, knowing that they might not be able to afford him. As a restricted free agent this summer, um, so if you can get something for him in the package and and include that. Um, getting J.T. Miller gives them something they don't really have a lot of: some size, um, some durability, some grit up front. Guy who win faceoffs, uh, and he's already played tremendously uh, for the Lightning, um, whether it's scoring goals or assist or uh, providing a little bit of an edge. He's already been playing on the top six, top six minutes. He played with Steven Stamkos and Kucherov by the end of. Uh, last game, and I think he said if you would have told him that a few weeks ago, he'd have laughed to be playing with Stamkos and Kutra but he has earned that trust, and uh, uh, we'll get some more JT Miller later in the podcast as well, but I think overall, you look at the trade deadline and what they could have done, uh, not only getting McDonough, but making sure that teams like Toronto um, and the Capitals and Panthers didn't get him uh, is a good sign, and, and also the fact that they'll have a guy that can really help one of their biggest weaknesses, which is their defensive play and their penalty kill. Now, Ryan McDonough made his debut the Lightning on Saturday after missing the first few with that uh, hand injury. He, had, he hadn't played since February 8th with the Rangers and they wanted to take it conservatively and, and not want to rush him back um, for the playoff game. The last couple weeks he would have been able to play, but they didn't want to rush him back and hurt that hand more for the playoffs. So, unfortunately I, I, I missed Saturday's debut for Ryan McDonough. I was at a 12-hour um, or overnight um, a premarital a church couples retreat, which uh, with the wedding coming up in August. So, uh, I did not see that game. I had to rewatch it later on, but uh, obviously a very uh, important weekend for me, myself, and my fiance going forward. So I'm sure many of you have gone through that before and know uh, how important that is, and and how enlightening that kind of stuff can be uh, right down the stretch. So I, I definitely uh, caught up with the lightning afterwards, though. I, I caught up and 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 watched some of the game, and, and watched the game with with McDonough, and, and I think it was really impressive. And for playing in a month, he he really. Uh, filled in some gaps on the penalty kill, cleared some, some pucks out, and that Lightning had trouble clearing pucks during the penalty kill recent weeks, and he's the guy who was able to step in and, and play well. And I know it's he'll only get better as the games go on. About 12 games left in the season, and they put him with Girardi, which is a former longtime partner with uh, the Rangers. So I think they're just easing him in. He played 19 minutes. Um, he wasn't perfect. He had some mistakes, but I think overall, as he works his way through here, and gets more comfortable in some chemistry. You're going to see a really big difference-making in that, in that difference-maker in there. Um, he can leave some pressure off of Victor Hedman, who's been playing 30 minutes, or close to 30 minutes most every night. Because um, McDonough can play against the top lines and the top pairings. And if you think of a situation where you can have McDonough, uh, Hedman, and Stra- or Strauman on the ice at all times, that can be a really big uh, boon for the Lightning come playoff time. So. Uh, Lightning on a 9-0-1 stretch. They have two games this week against Ottawa on Tuesday. And then on Saturday, a big showdown with the Boston Bruins. They have three games left against the Bruins, who are the ones that are chasing them in the division. And uh, Boston they have had three games in hand. And so those will be critical ones to decide uh, home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, or potentially first round home ice for the rest of the playoffs. Um, questions I got from you guys. Uh, one of them was about how important is home ice the Lightning our uh, first place in the conference. And the President's Trophy hasn't been kind to a lot of teams over the course of the last number of years. Um, but um, I think overall, home ice advantage would be important, especially in the Lightning's division uh, with Toronto and Boston. And you want to be able to be that first spot, not only for home ice, but also to avoid one of those two teams to have to play both of those teams in two rounds. Whether we'll have them beat up on each other in the first round than get them at home for the second round if you get that far. Um, so I think it is important in, in, down, down the stretch to, to c- continue to, to hold on to that um, first-place spot in the division, uh, knowing uh, you know, Boston is very—I think Boston might be the most difficult matchup for the Lightning uh, in the playoffs, and, and maybe Pittsburgh, too, because they've been so hot, and they're 2 time defending champs, and they just seem to find ways to get guys step up at at key moments. But I think if you can have Toronto and Boston beat up at each other and then play them second round, it'd be— Probably more beneficial, so that's why it'll be important to watch down the stretch, see how the Lightning does against Boston. Also, is provide some clues too if you're looking at different matchups, looking to see who can who can play against the Bergeron line, who can win a face-off against Bergeron. Um, I think uh, it'll be impo- it'll be a key factor, something a matchup within the matchup uh, to watch these next three uh, games against uh, Boston, including a week or so on the road too. Um, so, other question I had was about. Uh, the Andre Vasilevsky situation, and I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times last Wednesday about about how um, he said he feels mentally and physically fatigued, and this is his first time going through um, being a number one goalie, playing a full season, and now at a career high fifty six games with a hope about twenty five or so more starts to go in a long playoff run. So um, you know, I went, it wasn't something where he was complaining, or it wasn't he was whining about his teammates, or. Or pointing fingers at the coaching staff for overplaying him. I just went up to him early last week, and like I usually do, and just asked him how he's feeling. This is the first time going through it, and he said he's feeling okay. He wishes he was a little bit sharper for the team, that he just kind of, um, you know, when you, you're, you're tired and you're not, and that means more so a mental thing, I think, than physically for him, because um, having to go through this kind of workload he hasn't done before. And he said, he told me, you, you play 20-plus starts and you think, oh, I could go 60 easy. Once you go to 50 starts, he's like, that's tough. Uh, and so he's adjusted his routine ever since taking over Ben Bishop uh, at the deadline last year. You know, uh, Maybe not going out for a morning skate, for an optional skate. Uh, not doing as much gym time, workout time after games or between starts. Uh, trying to find ways to to eat right and, and get more sleep and, and try to mentally stay away from the game. And it's, and it's a tough thing for him because he's such a competitor one of the best top work ethics they've ever had there with the lightning and uh if you watch him in practice every day those post practice shootout attempts he takes it like they're a playoff game um so i think it's hard for him to shut it off um and so that's things part of it too so it's not like he's like dead tired and ready to let you know uh you know collapse here um it was more so just the you know i was refreshing to hear how honest he was with just more of a mental and physical thing and just trying to figure out ways to he wants to be better he wants to be on the top of his game for the playoffs and he's going to try to find a way along with the coaches to get him there so it was an interesting story i hope you guys enjoyed it in the times and he was uh it's very interesting to hear his comments and his insight and how he's feeling and what's going on in his head and um can i tell you this no one's gonna work harder or no one's gonna uh put more, put more pressure on himself than him to be uh the game changer difference maker for the lightning in the in the playoffs and teammates all love him they all know He's their backbone, their MVP, and um, you know he's a very, very prideful player, and you know, he cares about the fans, too. I talked to him about the, him how, what it's like to have your fans chanting his name, and he kind of smiled and said it really means a lot, especially in those games against Philly when he was giving up six goals, so he was really appreciative of the fans and what they, uh, how, much, how much their ovation has meant to him, and you know he, he wants to put on a good show and, and, and play well in front of them, so will um, something where I think he's in a manage situation. The and staff said with this week, only two games in seven days, they want to get a chance to give him kind of his all-star break, so to speak. So Deming started on Saturday against Montreal. I wouldn't be surprised to see Deming start on Tuesday against Ottawa. They could give uh, Vassie a, a full week to, to rest before Boston on Saturday, or they could have Vassie start Tuesday and Saturday and then not, not play Sunday, of course, against Edmonton. But this could be a week where they give him more rest because uh, they want him to play 25 more games or so. In the playoffs, So uh, interesting situation developing is his backup. Uh, Another question you guys asked, what will happen when uh, Peter Budai is ready to come back? And Peter Budai is just wrapping up his conditioning assignment in Syracuse, I believe tonight or Sunday. Um, So I think that at some point they'll have to make a decision after three games or six days whether Budai comes back or how that works. And it sounds like Syracuse is keeping their original, their tandem they've had uh, with Ingram the last – couple of months. So one of two things are gonna happen. You're either gonna have the Lightning carries three goalies, which they can, there's no roster limits after the at the trade deadline, uh, and rotate the couple between practices and, you know, if you have a goalie go down, heaven forbid in the playoffs you at least have a backup that can come in and play too. And then in the playoffs they have black aces, so they have another group of people who a couple of prospects and extras who are who are practicing together in case they need be needed. Uh, in a playoff game, so they they could logistically carry three, uh, which I think they might do. You could trade one of them, though. Uh, if you trade the, them, one of them, neither of them will be able to. They they won't be able to play whoever they get go to. won't be able to play the rest of the season. So it might be hard for a team to. Why not just wait till end of the season for Devine when he's available? Then, Budai uh, has one more year on his contract, and he's uh, you know mid thirties year old goalie. So I think, um, so I think that they're going to carry three at this point. Um, just to keep for, for roster preservation. They're keeping nine defensemen, for goodness sakes. I wouldn't be surprised if they carry three goalies. So, um, But either goalie, keeping the goalies, all three, or trading one of them uh, sometime in the next three weeks. But I would imagine that they're probably going to keep Budai and Domingue. Maybe play Budai on Tuesday uh, if you want against Iowa. But just carry three uh, and ready for... Uh, make sure you have somebody available for um, the playoffs in case the goes down. Because you look at the last few years... Playoff runs they needed both goalies in the playoffs. Back in 2014-15, Vasilevsky played for Bishop in the the final. And then 15-16, he played almost all the conference final against the the Penguins. So you need to have a backup goalie in case something happens. And you know with Vasilevsky being physically and mentally tired and this is his first time doing this, you never know. So better to have more than than not enough. Um, The question about the defenseman that people have asked, and I think that's uh, Jack Cooper said it yesterday that you know, no such thing as having to have too many defensemen. It's, it's not ideal to have these guys having to sit out, two or three of them, but I think that they feel like with the, like with the, the goalie situation, you can keep them, have some practice with the Black ace if you need to, or have them just, you know, uh, stay ready in case there's an injury. He referenced the McDonough when he had an uh, injury in the conference final against the Lightning in 14-15. Both him and Dan Girardi were injured for the Rangers and had to play through injury, so they didn't have enough depth. So I think that he pointed out to an example of why you keep nine um, though it will be interesting to see what happens with the likes of Slater Cuckoo after this season. Another question I got a lot is about Anthony Sorelli, the prospect who's been really impressive uh, since his call-up uh, a week and a half ago. Um, former 3rd round pick has really um, made himself an invaluable member of this team. And, and he, he's played every game since he got called up. They're putting him in situations like the penalty kill he took more faceoffs on Thursday than any other guy on this team, including Stan and Johnson. Um, and I think there's a chance that he, he might stick uh, even when Pollock comes back. Uh, Pollock could take, um, you know, get back in the lineup, of course, but Sorelli has played himself in a situation where he might be able to be, to play over a Cedric Paquette or something like that or a Conaker. And um, I did a story for him for Tampa Bay Times on Saturday. Uh, talking about his evolution, and I know he has been a clutch player in the Moral Cup playoffs uh, for Oshawa and, and, and Erie, um, but what he talked about with me was his eye-opening experience with uh, Syracuse Crunch um, late last season after his Moral Cup run, and he, uh, for a first-year pro, jump into the Calder Cup Finals after the long playoff run that the, the Crunch already had and find himself in the lineup. Um is very telling, I think. And now, when he got called called up, John Cooper referenced that because he was able to go watch the Calder Cup finals because the lighting was in the playoffs. And he said, "What struck him was, you know, he came in his first year pro and played. He wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. He kind of he just fit right in, and that was a very eye opening experience," Sorelli said, and um, that kind of showed what he can do um, uh, very quickly. A student of the game. Uh, he's a very quick learner, and he does everything right. Kind of one of those Yanni Gord Braden Point type mentality where he plays every game like it's the same way, and he's very consistent. And I talked to Benoit Grul on Friday uh, over the phone, um, so wanted to learn more about Sorelli uh, in that playoff run. And he said he came in, and he had a couple practices that were okay, and him and Julian Breeze, assistant GM, were talking, you know, and they were debating whether to put him in or not. And he played one game and. Uh, but he, played, he started to play he played one game and he was fine the next game he played really well and he never left and, and Benoit gruel said to me he's like he's a very good student of the game he's a great work ethic he does everything really well and he plays every game he plays the same way on a Tuesday road game than a, than a Friday home game he, his consistency is remarkable and he said it's about trust and he earned Benoit gruel's trust in the playoffs and he earned the lightning Brass's trust and he followed up this season with a pretty strong year, even though he got a little bit of injury for a few weeks. So, interesting player, a guy that is kind of a grinder, but can surprise you with some skill. Um, very humble, hardworking. Uh, you know, a guy who would be really good um, boost for a playoff run. You never know; he could be playing a role. So, interesting to watch the next couple of weeks as that. Uh, Moves on, but I think he's here to stay uh, for now, especially with the roster's expanding towards the playoffs. Um, Even when Palat comes back, and Palat will probably come back, they're hoping end of this month. He wants to get a couple games before uh, the playoffs, but he's still working his way back from that, I think, the high ankle sprain. So Palat should be back maybe end of this month. uh, Wants to get a couple games before the playoffs, and they've missed him. So you know, the Lightning has been finding ways to win, and they're in first place and. You know, which is encouraging for them. They're finding ways to win, but there are still some issues they need to clean up, and, and in their own end, and some consistency through 60 minutes. Uh, the penalty kill seems like you give up a goal a game pretty much, and that stuff has to be fixed before the playoffs. I think you'll have McDonough help with that, as well as Andre Pawlak when he comes back. I think Sorelli adding to that, uh, you know, will help too. Um, but they're playing some some fire a bit. I mean, they went to seven OT games in the last uh, last eight or so. So I think. You know, there's there's on the, on the thin line of margin for error here between a win and a loss. And, you know, there won't be any shootouts come playoff time. So that, like Braden Point, will be able to save you in that. So it'll be interesting to see how they can adjust with all this practice time that they've had in the last month of the season. They'll have a couple more, three more practices this week. I think it really help um, to get better and tune up if you want to be playing the best hockey by the end of the season. And, uh, you know, as far as the best matchup for them going forward, you know, I think Carolina might be a better matchup. I think Florida could be a tough team to play because they've been so hot um, and they play lighting so well. Uh, be like look at Columbus, uh, Florida, Carolina are up there in the mix. Um, Islanders are fading, or I'll say they'd already be in there. Um, they'd probably miss it. So Columbus and then Jersey's right there in the first wild card. So I don't know. They, they, the lighting plays well against Columbus and it'd be a fun matchup with Tortorella as, in their, as a coach there for the Blue Jackets. But. If Carolina sneak, sneaks in, I think he might, they might be a good matchup for the Lightning as far as more favorable one um, for the first round. And then you have to get through Boston and Toronto after that. And those Pittsburgh Penguins who aren't going away, um, of course. So it should be interesting few weeks here. Uh, always stay tuned, Tampa Bay.com, Tampa Bay Times, for the great Bulls coverage. Uh, feel free to send me an email to JoeSmithTempaBay.com, <coughs> JoeSmith.TempaBay.com, or follow me on Twitter, times underscore JSmith. And thanks so much, and hopefully see you guys at Emily